pipes and in this life, but son, we don't see shade. She got my eye, might make my wife. I know she wanna be saved. We spend a time, you have a good night. What's up, everybody? This is John Dodaro. Right before the episode starts, I just want to let you all know this is me talking after we recorded. Uh, there was a static that I heard. I think it was from my microphone throughout later in the episode. So, um, I apologize for that. I usually put disclaimers in the description, but I just want to say it's beforehand. But we don't have the best setups here. We don't have anything professional-like, so we do our best. Sometimes there's background noise. Sometimes I can get it out. Sometimes I can't, but... I try my best to give you all the best audio possible, so it sucks to see when it's not the best. So I do apologize, but there's some great content in this episode, so I hope you all enjoy. It's a fun listen, so enjoy the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside the Dome. I am John Dodaro. And I am joined here with special guest speaker, once again, Lance Johnson. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing mightily fine there, buddy. How about you? Not too bad myself. Not too bad myself. Uh, we did have another guest speaker planned, too, to join Lance and I, but we were unable to get that situated. He had a, another conflicting matter come up, but hopefully we'll get him back on another week. But... Lance, it's just you and me today. And today, normally every week we do our weekly our weekly college football episode, but there's a special game this week. There is a special game, the backyard brawl between Pitt and WVU. And it is just such a big game that it gets its own episode today. So are you ready to talk about the backyard brawl, Lance? Yeah, man, let's dive right into it. I'm looking forward to this weekend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So this game will be prime time. It will be, I got the notes right here. It will start at 7.30 p.m. and it will air on ABC. So that's something for all you. The overall series for the Backyard Brawl, Pitt currently leads the series 62-40-3. to to so Pitt has been WVU 62 times. WVU has won 40 times. So a little history here for you, Lance. I, from the good old Wikipedia here, some history about the Backyard Brawl. It is the 14th oldest football rivalry in the United States. The first meeting was in 1895. That's crazy to think about. I mean, 1800s. But... WVU won that game eight to nothing. So very unusual score right there, I would say. But in nineteen twenty one, it was the first college football game broadcast on the radio. I think KDKA did that. So nineteen twenty one was the first college football game that was broadcasted. And then once the let me see. Yeah, once the twenty twelve season occurred. The Backyard Brawl took a hiatus. Pitt was moved to the ACC, and WVU was moved to the Big 12, therefore ending the matchup until 2022. Now, 
I know you remember that 2022 game very well. Yeah, I was there with you that night. Oh, yeah. It was was very, very disappointing. We'll get into that game, too. We'll we'll see what happened last year. But there is currently a four-game series that has been signed that will take place from 2022 to 2025. So this is the 2023 matchup. And then from 2029 to 2032 these teams will meet again each year. So there's a little history lesson for you about the backyard ball, but let's start previewing these teams a bit. So the first team I think we should preview, obviously. We are WVU people, so WVU is coming off of the victory against Duquesne, and the score was, let me pull it up right now, the score is 56-17. to 17. WVU dominated this game. So I'll ask you first, what what impressed you the most from last week against Duquesne? Well, for starters, I think WVU was able to come back and take charge of the game after the postponement due to the weather delay. Um, but once they took onto the field after that postponement, a player that comes to mind that impressed me the most was Hudson Clement. He had like three touchdowns in the game. He was able to get open. And most importantly, with the thing that WVU, as in their wide receivers, have struggled on, in particularly that's very significant, is catching the football. And we need more players that can catch the football. And Hudson Clement was able to do that that night. So I think he earned that starting spot that he is going to be playing this weekend in the backyard brawl. I believe it was announced earlier um, today by Neil Brown is that Hudson Clement earned his spot. So therefore he's going to be playing in the backyard brawl. And number two uh, of what I saw was that I thought the defensive line did a really good job up front giving pressure, even though this is Duquesne, I still think it was just majorly consistent that the defensive line stayed intact and they took charge on the defense and then prohibited Duquesne from scoring. So those were the two big things was that WVU came back on offense and they kept scoring, Hudson Clement being the major contributor. And then defensively on the other side of the ball, we had the defensive line being a major strength on the defense. Like we could talk about like defensive line, they're doing pretty good. And then you also have, like, part of the secondary, I still believe, needs some work, specifically at the cornerback position. But other than that, it was a comfortable win. I believe it was expected for WVU to win this football game. Um, And I think WVU needed to do what they needed to do. I just think they should have been a little bit more explosive on offense. But I thought this was a good win for them. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. So the one player you mentioned, and I kind of researched him a little bit, WVU people probably don't know much about him until this Duquesne game. Hudson Clement, he's a freshman. He had five catches for 177 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. His longest reception was 70 yards too. So, And his touchdowns were all different. He had a slant touchdown. He had a deep ball touchdown. So... He showed a lot of versatility. He's from Martinsburg, West Virginia. He's only six foot one, one ninety nine pounds, and he came to WVU as a walk on. He wasn't given a scholarship or anything. He came 
as a walk-on. But after the game, Neil Brown gave him a scholarship. So he's solidified on the team right now. So especially for somebody who wasn't even on the box score against Penn State. And because at Penn State, the leading receiver was Devin Carter, who is a senior who transferred from NC State his sixth season, actually. But he was injured going into the Duquesne game. So at least for the pick game, Devin Carter should be back alongside Hudson Clement. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see if Hudson Clement can repeat his performance because I think ever since Bryce Ford Whedon left the WVU Mountaineers, we've been kind of wanting to see who the new number one wide receiver would be. So, also, I mentioned Bryce Ford Whedon. I think he had a season-ending injury, too. So, thoughts and prayers out to him. He think he was with the Giants as an undrafted rookie. So, thoughts out yeah. to him. But, you also mentioned the D-line, too. Uh, I think the defense really excelled after, like, the first couple drives. Uh, Tomiwa Duro Yahweh, who is a freshman, led the team in sacks with one and a half. And he also had a sack against Penn State. So, seeing some youth on the D-line as well is very good. But another stat, too. Aubrey Banks Jr., who's a safety, led the team in solo tackles with three. And Avery Wilcox, who is a sophomore safety, and Beanie Bishop Jr., a senior, each had an interception. So let me ask you, are you confident in this defense in general going against Pitt? We'll go into Pitt in a bit later and their team, but are you confident at least? Do you think that WVU can has a chance to shut them down with their defense? Or do you think well, let's just say this. I would say that I am cautiously optimistic with this WVU defense. Now the thing that worries me the most is the cornerback position. And that's what we that's what they struggled on in the game the most was that they couldn't cover guys. Like Duquesne was able to get some good throws out, get some deep throws down the field, and that eventually helped them up scoring. Like they were able to put like 17 points on this West Virginia team, which probably shouldn't have been 17 points, but it was majorly because of the defense. Now, with the defensive line, we could talk about it. When you're talking about the defensive line, I think it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for the pit offensive line. Cause when we're talking about like the pit offensive line, we flash back to last week when they played against the Cincinnati Bearcats and looking at that game, I saw is that they had struck, they had some struggles up front protecting Phil Jerkovic. Phil Jerkovic got sacked five times. So that was a big problem. So those flaws were kind of shown from week two. You don't really see much from week one when they play against Wofford. That's kind of like a preseason game. The real season starts on week two when they played against Cincinnati, and it showed those flaws. So I think the WU's D-line will be able to crack that offensive line protecting Phil Jerkovet. So I think they, they will be able to get some pressure on him, on Phil, per se. And plus, Phil Jerkovet is not a very athletic quarterback. Like he's not this he's not like Gary Green where he can run with his legs. He the best he could do is just he'll he'll like stay in the pocket, but 
he's not going to be able to be mobile and not as athletic. So he's not going to provide not much dynamic ability for the offense. So, yes, I think the WVU's defense can shut down the pit offense. I like it. I like it a lot. And I think the one other thing that we got to talk about, actually, there's probably two more things we could talk about with the WVU team. Actually, three. But the first one is the quarterback situation. Garrett Green. Now, the Penn State game is one that you'll want to forget, but Garrett Green did succeed with his legs. But in this recent game, Garrett Green, who is a junior, he went 10 for 18, 240 passing yards, and four passing touchdowns, and he had five rushes for 33 rushing yards. So much better game, at least for the passing situation, because at Penn State, Neil Brown really didn't have Garrett Green throw the ball as much, in my opinion. And I think they were in the situation where they had to at Penn State, and they chose not to. But Garrett Green was able to throw the ball here. He had a lot of good passes, in my opinion. Played a very clean game. Both games with Penn State and Duquesne, he played very clean, I would say. No turnovers or anything like that. So what are your thoughts on Garrett Green going into the pick game? Now, here's what I like what you said from your point is that there were no turnovers in any of the first two games at all. Now, what I thought about Gary Green was that I think he had a little bit of struggles with reading the defenses a little bit. And some of those throws that he made were just kind of like, well, why did you throw it like that? Because sometimes he'll throw it in the spot in the direction where there was nobody around. But there were some times or maybe actually would be plenty of times that yeah, I do trust him because he actually was able to make some good connections passing the ball. Like I remember that Penn State game, he threw this one deep shot. He absolutely aired that ball out, and he connected right right in front of the end zone, and they were in red zone territory, and they were eventually able to score with C.J. Donaldson to tie the game up 7-7. Now, with Garrett Green, he's an athletic quarterback. He's dual threat. He can run with his legs, and he can throw through the air. So I definitely trust him with the football. And when you're comparing him with Phil Jerkovic, he's a very athletic quarterback. He's going to provide some dynamic abilities to this WVU offense where they could adapt to any game of style of play more rather than a pit offense. I think Garrett Green is going to be able to make some plays downfield. And I think he's good with throwing on the run. He could escape the pressure with his legs. He's done that a couple of times already. He's shown us before. I mean, beginning with last year with um, the Oklahoma game, when JT Daniels was not playing at his best, Garrett Green was put in. He took charge of the game. He helped WVU stay in it. And eventually, WVU won because of him. He was the turning point. Ever since then, they were able to win like their last couple of games of the year. So if I was Neil Brown, I would say, hey, like I would have to give more trust in, the, in Garrett Green here because in the backyard brawl, and it involves taking risk. So and it can sometimes be unpredictable. So whether that's going for it like fourth and one at the 50-yard line like you should have done last year or any of that, I would definitely put – trusting Gary Green more than ever. 
because this game means a whole lot to the state. It means a whole lot to the school, the fan base, friends and family, especially those living in the local Morgantown area. This is their everything. Like this is basically their bowl game. Like there is nothing else to it. It's just going to be pure smash mouth football. And if Garrett, if they could allow Garrett Green and give him some space to be more explosive, I think WVU can take advantage of this football game and probably even win more than by a field goal or even a touchdown. Like that's how confident I feel in Garrett Green in the offense. Right. I like it. I like it a lot. So before we go to Pitt and talk about them, I think the last big piece that we need to talk about, Neil Brown, the head coach of the, the Mountaineers. So Neil Brown has been the head coach since 2019. And ever since we've been at WVU, we have not big, we have not been big fans of Neil Brown. So I want to hear your thoughts first. But are you confident in Neil Brown just for this game? Are you confident in him? From what you've seen with the Penn State game and what you've seen with the Duquesne game, are you confident in Neil Brown? Because he's also the play caller too. Well, let's just say that I still remain hopeful. Now, even though I don't trust him at all, especially with his play callings, because it's just illogical with the way his play callings are when you're like throwing screen. Yeah, you're throwing a screen pass on the first play of the game, especially what he did with Texas Tech. That was a nightmare. And then you have your wide receivers running curl routes for some reason, and they've done this so many times throughout the game. It's frustrating to be a Mountaineer fan, but like Penn State was a true test. It was not a great way to start. You're playing against the best or one of the best Big Ten defenses and one of the best defenses in college football as a whole. So it's kind of hard to judge from that when you're playing against a seventh-ranked team that just won the Rose Bowl last season. And on to Duquesne, it just seemed like they they had a sluggish start. It was a really slow start until that weather delay, and it seemed like they got it all together. Maybe if they had weather delays for the rest of their games, they maybe win the rest of their games and go to a bowl game and win that too if – but um, so with the pit game, this is going to be a true test. I think both teams are evenly matched. It could go either way. Like this is as competitive as it can get. So this is kind of like the determining factor, whether Neil Brown keeps his job or not, because if West Virginia wins, couches will be burned. But if West <laughs> Virginia loses, Neil's, Neil Brown's house will burn to the ground and so will his job. So before we can come to the judgment on like Neil Brown, I will put my trust in him. Now, do I trust the climb? No, but do I have faith in him that he could beat Pitt no matter what? Yes, I do. It may not be a high confidence level. Like I would say, I'd give him like a 50%, but you got to be hopeful. Like you got to come in with a, with, you got is your speaker okay? Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, what I was saying is that <laughs> Neil Brown it. has a chip on his shoulder. If you go back to the off-season conference for the Big 12 in Arlington at AT&T Stadium, and what 
I saw from that was Neil Brown was ranked the worst head coach in the Big 12, while at the same time he was ranked number one for being on the hot seat for being the most likely fired coach. So he knows that he's coaching for his position, he's coaching for his job, and keeping the team together. So he's going to – this game is going to mean everything to him, and he knows it. So they're going to be playing with urgency. I think they're going to be playing like this is like their last day. This is their last – this is everything on the line here. And West Virginia is going to be coming out of that tunnel mad, and they're going to get ready to hit. So Pat Narduzzi's and the pit – rest of the players on the pit football team need to be ready because West Virginia is going to come out of that tunnel mad, and they're going to be ready to hit and play football. So I think I, – I do have my trust in Neil Brown for this game for now. Back in our – it was our week – Two or it was the last college football episode we did, uh, Carla and I, where I recapped the briefly recapped the Penn State WVU game, and I was critical of Neil Brown and his play calling. I, it, I mean, that game's terrible against Penn State play calling, two minute drill, just running the ball twice, killing half the clock in the fourth quarter, not even attempting to throw the ball much at all. So the Duquesne game was better, but then again, it's also Duquesne. That's the other thing people have to realize. Duquesne is in the NEC. I mean, they're not as good. The score that it was, score was 56-17. That was expected. I mean, that's what should have happened. It shouldn't have been competitive. The start of the game was terrible for WVU. They gave, they were down 7 nothing to start, and I was getting nervous with Neil Brown in particular, but they did rebound, but they should have rebounded. They shouldn't even have to rebound against Duquesne. I mean, that's the thing, but I mean, like you said, this game against Pitt means a lot to people in West Virginia, WVU fans. Uh, this is almost like our Super Bowl in a way. Like, it might not even matter what else happens the rest of the season, but if WVU beats Pitt, that's enough for some West Virginia fans. So there's a lot of pressure on Neil Brown this game. And if WVU loses in bad fashion, I mean, people are going to want him fired. The signs will be up. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be oh, it's gonna be a sight in West Virginia. I will say that. But a lot of pressure on Neil Brown. But real quick, we did say we will talk about Pitt. So let's talk about Pitt for a little bit. So their head coach, like Lance said, is Pat Narduzzi. He's been head coach since 2015. In week one, they dominate against Woford. That's how you say it. It's a weird name. But in week two, uh, they lost to Cincinnati by a score of 27-21. to 21. So right now, WVU's got more momentum. They beat Duquesne, while Pitt does not have momentum right now. They are coming off of a loss to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, a couple years ago, they had Desmond Ritter and Sauce Gardner, two NFL players right now, so some notable names from Cincinnati in the past. But, Lance, you kind of already said some points about the game. Uh, Phil Jerkovic, Jerkovic, how do you pronounce his name? How do you pronounce it? I believe it is Jerkovic. Jerkovic? Jerkovic. Yeah, Jerkovic. Jerkovic. We'll go with that. Either way, it's all right. yeah. Yeah, so... Like you said, he was sacked five times in 
this game. So that's either a testament to the Cincinnati D-line or that's a testament to the Pitt O-line. But Phil Jerkovic, he only went 10 for 32, 179 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, zero interceptions, but he fumbled as well. But three touchdowns are nice, but the 10 for 32 is terrible in my opinion. Now, shout out to Tanner Lambert. He's actually calling the Vector Brawl game on U92 Moose. So shout out to him. Make sure to give that a listen. But he was actually complimenting Jerkovic and just saying, like, his build and all that's great. He's an ideal passer. And I don't know. I mean, nothing I've seen, even against Wolford, nothing I've seen from Jerkovic has been really standout. Uh, he is a senior from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where he is from. So he's a Pitt native. He played for Notre Dame for two years and Boston College for three years. So this is the third team he is on. He recently transferred. Uh, I just week one stats, actually. He went 17 for 23, 214 passing yards, and one passing touchdown, and a rushing touchdown as well. So Jerkovic is the replacement for Kenan Slovis, who was the quarterback for Pitt last year. But Slovis transferred to BYU. BYU is a team that WV will play later in the year, so we'll be seeing Slovis as well. But new quarterback for Pitt, big question mark. And from what I've seen in these first two games is I would not fear Jerkovic. He has not shown me anything that I would fear him. So you look at the rest of their team. I'll give my thoughts first on Pitt. Their running game last week against Cincinnati was not good. They three running backs had six carries each, but the one running back I will highlight is Rodney Hammond Jr., who last game against Cincinnati he had six carries for twenty-one rushing yards, and that was it. But the only reason why I bring up his name is because in last year's backyard brawl, he was the leading rusher. That game from Pitt. He had 16 carries for 74 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns against WVU. So he's going to be a factor in this week's game, most likely, unless he's been surpassed in that chart. I guess he was surpassed in that chart last year because Israel Abaniconda dominated for Pitt later in the season. He's with the New York Jets. Shout out to him. But they'll have to, WVU is going to have to be able to stop the run. That's the first thing. I think. That is what Pitt is going to try to do, run the ball. I think that's Pitt's winning strategy, in my opinion, because I don't think their strategy is going to be throwing the ball. Uh, Their leading receiver last week was Gavin Bartholomew. Three catches, 80 receiving yards. It's one receiving touchdown. The majority of those came on one reception for 60 yards. But from what I've seen, Pitt has a very weak passing attack in my opinion. Against Cincinnati, very weak, very mediocre. Honestly, it's shades of WV versus Penn State right there, as I'm saying that. But I feel like, personally, Pitt is going to be relying on the running game to succeed Rodney Hammond Jr. Could he recap what he did last year? But Pitt's defense, I know you kind of went into them a bit, Lance, too, but they only had two sacks last game. Uh, Devin Danielson and Dayon Hayes were the only two with a sack, and Marquise Williams had an interception. So 
three standout players there, but I think the only way Pitt could win is with their running game. If WVU can shut that down and Jerkovic has to throw, I think Pitt could struggle here. So, Lance, what are your overall thoughts on this Pitt team? Now, what I think about this Pitt team is, well, first off, Pat Narduzzi is a great coach, and he knows how to win rivalry games just like this. However, after that loss of Cincinnati last weekend, it seemed that the offense was struggling, and in particular with this offense, like if they want to beat WVU, it's going to have to be their running game because their passing game has been struggling a whole lot. So it's kind of more of a one-dimensional team, so they're going to have to run that ball and then hopefully get through that defensive line. Like They've had struggles with stopping the run at times too, especially with Duquesne, but on to point is that the pit offense was struggling to find its identity. And another thing was that the defense for Pitt was struggling to stop the run against the Bearcats. In the first half of that game, the Bearcats have averaged nine yards per carry. And that that's pretty horrendous. But in the second half, Pitt is like one of the most adaptable defenses in college football. So they were able to adapt into the game and only allow like one touchdown. So they were able to adjust themselves. But like what I said from earlier, that first game that Pitt started off against Wofford, that showed obviously nothing. This was like a gimme win. But once they played against the Bearcats, that's where the real season starts. And that's when you get to see their flaws that are starting to show and where their true weaknesses are. So the struggles were finding identity on offense, stopping the run on the defense, and this could continue in to factor against West Virginia, uh, not against West Virginia, but when they're playing West Virginia for this week's game. But Pat Narduzzi knows how to coach. Like he, he was able to adjust that defense and just – um, the factor would be for Pitt to win this game. I think it's doable since Neil Brown's play calling has been very predictable. And I think this will buy some time for Bill Jerkovet to connect more with his offense and make some key plays. But this is in Morgantown though. And Morgantown is a really difficult atmosphere to play in one of the most difficult atmospheres to play in college football. So when you're talking about like on the pit offensive side of the ball on things, it's going to be hard to play and make play calls in such a loud, tense atmosphere. So being able to make play calls in the ear bleeding atmosphere of Milan Puskar stadium, it's going to be a sloppy game. I think like they're, but just like you said, it's mostly going to be running plays and they're hardly going to throw the ball at all because that's all, that's like their breadwinner right there is if they can get the running game going, then they could definitely put a win in this game too. Like it could go either way, like literally. Like this is yeah. the backyard brawl. Uh, and, they, and they could also take advantage of the struggling secondary of WVU's defense 
like like Phil Djokovic might be able to get some passes thrown down. And once he makes those passes, like they're most likely going to be complete because the, def- the secondary on the defense, I think, hasn't really shown improvement at all. And I think it's going to be costly for some of the games that we'll be playing in. Hopefully it's not this one, but it could be. Like this is very critical in this game if the defense doesn't show up. So yeah. that would be like right. my take with Pitt. But it could go either way, and Pat Narduzzi's a really smart coach. But if you're playing in that very tense atmosphere at Milan Pushkar Stadium, it's just really hard to do. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I can't wait to be completely wrong when Jerkovic just throws all over the place and dominates us in the passing game. Then I'm just going to look very dumb. But I don't know if he will, though. But last thing I will... Actually, I'll have two more things I'll ask you. But the first thing, real quick, for WVU, you and I are WVU fans, so we have bias. But what do you think are the main keys for WVU to win this game? What would be like the three main keys or so for WVU to win? Well, first off, it's going to have to be their running game. If they can get the running game going, then that's how they're going to win this game. And my reasoning for this is because, like what I mentioned with the Cincinnati game, Pitt has struggled to stop the run both through the center and on the edge. Like Cincinnati was able to run all over them throughout the first half. And WU has a very experienced offensive line with Doug Nestor and Zach Frazier up front, who has won prestigious Big 12 awards. And you have C.J. Donaldson in the backfield, who's going to be a major factor in this game. Like, I remember that Penn State game where he was able to run with some carries. And Penn State had some struggles on tackling him. He was able to run the ball pretty effectively in that game, I thought. So, if WVU can get the running game going and take advantage of against this pit defense with CJ Donaldson, because CJ Donaldson is he's definitely going to be a key to the game. And then also, Garrett Green has to be making some smart game time decisions on the fly. And I think with his ability to use his legs, escaping from the pass rush defenses and being able to scramble out of the pocket. I think that's going to give WBU more of an upper advantage on the offense per se. It's going to give them more dynamic abilities to adjust to any style of offense that they want. He can be able to run and then chug some yards. Like he did that at the Penn State game. He surely did at the Duquesne game. And I I think he's a good passer, so on some chances that they're able to throw some balls downfield, like Hudson Clement, Hudson Clement might be able to put his name down because that's what the backyard brawl is all about, is playing your A game, and also that's where names get made. Like there were plenty of legends that came out of the backyard brawl, so it could be Garrett Green's time, could also be Hudson Clements time, but a guy that I really want to see more on the offense is Cole Taylor. 
because he was able to get open in the Duquesne game a couple of times and he wasn't able to get the ball thrown to him. And he knows what it's like to be playing in big games because he used to play at LSU and then he transferred here. So I would really like to see more of him. And then we got Devin Carter. Hopefully he'll come back. I don't, haven't heard any news on his return, but I think he will be back. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of too. I think I'm expecting him to make a return. So with Devin Carter, assuming that he's coming back in the lineup, he'll definitely be a great deal of help for Garrett Green because he'll have more options with more open receivers down the field. So with offense, like I've talked about offense a lot with the keys to the game, but it really is the key to the game. I mean, just speaking from a WVU fan's like point of view, we got to rack up some points on the board. Like if WVU can take advantage of that running game though, like I think the running game is going to be the key factor in this game to WVU success in winning their 41st backyard brawl to close the gap on the series of 62 to 41. Like it. So my three game or not my three games, my three keys to WVU winning. A lot of them overlap yours, I would say. So I'll just briefly run through it. The first key to the game would be being able to run the football throughout the whole game. You do not want to be in a position where you don't, you don't want to be in the Penn state position where you're down by like 20 and you have to throw the ball, which Neil Brown didn't decide to do. He gave up. That's why I don't like him. But you don't want to be in that position where you are forced to throw because, like you said, WVU excels in the run game. They excelled at Penn State. You got C.J. Donaldson, who's one of the better running backs in college. He's only a sophomore. Last week he had 13 carries for 56 rushing yards, 4.3 per carry, and then he had a leave, I think, due to minor injury, which he's fine now. And you do have some talent, too, behind him. Jalen Anderson, who's a sophomore, who's his backup, and Jaheim White, who got time. He's a freshman near the end of the game. He had 12 carries for 110 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. He, had, he showed a lot of speed, so they do some good quality running backs. So you want to make sure that you are able to run the football throughout the whole game. You don't want to be in a hole where you're forced to pass because I don't think that's WVU's strength. But my next key to the game is don't be afraid to pass the ball. That's another critique I have with the Penn State game. And I'm purposely not mentioning the Duquesne game as much because that's an easy win. Penn State's more legit competition. But don't be afraid to pass the ball. Like, Garrett Green has skill passing the ball. He can make throws. You saw it against the Duquesne game. You saw it in the Penn State game where he made some good throws. And don't be afraid to throw it. Don't be just dead set on running it like 90% of the time. Let Garrett Green throw it. And you saw Hudson Clement make plays. Now, will he do? Will he have a similar line against Pitt? I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a much better defense. So it's, I don't know what we're going to expect from Hudson Clement, but you do have him. And he looked great in terms of all aspects of being a wide receiver. But. Don't be afraid to throw the ball. That's another thing. Garrett Green can do it. I believe in him. And if you don't believe in Garrett Green and throwing the football, put Nico, Mark Yulin, if you don't believe in Garrett Green throwing the football. So 
that's all I gotta say on that. And then the final key point I would say is keep the crowd in the game. This is gonna be a sold out WVU feel. This is gonna be crazy. I've been hearing students not being able to get tickets because they sold out. You and I got tickets though, so we're set. Oh yeah. We were very lucky. But yeah. Uh, you got to be able to keep the crowd in the game. It's going to be loud. I was at Penn State two weeks ago, and it was loud at the start of the game. It was lo- it was deafening. Like it really was. And then you see the Duquesne game; it really wasn't that loud, in my opinion, even before the rain delay. But it's going to be loud. This is going to be probably one of the craziest games you and I have seen in person with WVU. It's the atmosphere is going to be spectacular. There'll be Pitt fans. There'll be West Virginia fans down there. But it's going to be loud. But you don't want to be down in this game, and you don't want to lose that crowd because that's an advantage you really have. Like if Pitt can't hear their plays and they're struggling to communicate on the field when their offense is out, that is a big advantage for our defense, in my opinion, and that can really help the WVU defense win this game. So being able to keep the crowd in this game is key. Keeping this game at least close is key. You do not want to be down in this game because if you're down i'll say this if wvu is down by two to three scores in this game it's gonna be tough for them to come back in my opinion it would be very tough because they'll probably lose the crowd at that point garrett green's gonna be forced to throw the ball most likely if they try to run the ball then they're just gonna kill the clock like they did against penn state but keeping the crowd in the game is crucial so last thing i'm gonna ask you is prediction. So, what would you? What do you think the score is going to be in this game? Who do you got winning? Mm. Honest, so I think honest prediction here. Honest prediction. Well, my bias is probably going to show a little bit because I'm obviously we're obviously West Virginia fans, but I think West Virginia has a decent shot at winning this game. But it can still go either way. It's going to be a tug of war. It'll be West Virginia will take the lead on one side, and then. Pitt will come back, and Pitt might take the lead, and the game will be on their side. So, again, it could go either way. With the score prediction, I'm going with 24-21 West Virginia for the win. I think there's going to be a lot of smash-mouth football involved. I think the running game is going to be dominant throughout. There's going to be a lot of defense in the game involved, too. So, yeah, there's your prediction that you have it. West Virginia for the win. Country roads. Oh, yeah, baby, Country Reds. Well, I'll say this real quick. Uh, According to DraftKings, Pitt is currently a one-point favorite, and according to ESPN, Pitt has a 64% chance to win this game. So essentially, though, that 64% don't mean as much. Pitt being a one-point favorite really just says that this game is dead even. Like, it could go either way. So I'm going to take WVU as well, just because I think... I like WVU's offense more from what I've looked at WVU's game against Penn State and Duquesne, and I've looked at Pitt's game against Woford and Cincinnati, and I'm more impressed with WVU's offense. And I think that's going to be key in this game. I think our defense has the chance to clutch up, but I think our offense will be the main story of this game. So I have WVU doing well here. I have them winning 28-24. to So... WVU scores four touchdowns, Pitt scores three touchdowns, and a field goal, I would say. So it's going to be close. It's going to be very exciting. 
and there's gonna be a big celebration when WV wins in Morgantown. But if WV loses, Neil Brown, I I will wish you the best of luck with the wrath of the WVU fans that you will get if you lose this game. It won't be a pretty sight. But this is going to be fun. This is going to be a very fun Saturday for you and I. It really is. Uh, thank you for doing this episode with me. I, this has been fun, talking WVU football. So Hey, I agree, greatly appreciate it for you inviting me on. I remember when I first applied yeah. here, and one of those reasons was just the football, because football is just such a big deal here. And I remembered I used to watch the backyard brawl, especially multiple times. And it would just take place at different years. Like I would watch like the 1998 backyard brawl where WVU used to like dominate the game against Pitt. It was like 50 points to like 14 or 17 by Pitt. And then fast forward on from that. I used to watch this game a lot, especially before the 2022 backyard brawl, the most recent one. I was watching the 2011 backyard brawl, the last backyard wow. brawl before that, like 11 year period before it returned. I used to watch that all the time because it was just so energetic and just the game itself just characterizes that this is your typical backyard brawl. It's sloppy, it's, it's old fashioned, it's hard hitting stuff. And Everyone is into it, and just it's just so culturally rooted too. Like you can talk about how much Pitt and West Virginia hates each other, but I think it's also got to do with that they're on different sides of the aisle. Like got Pitt and West Virginia separated, seventy-five miles in between with the state border, which is probably a good thing to have a state border in between that. But it. It's very rooted, and it really means a lot to the people here. And you can really see that, just the the passion and just the excitement and the anticipation. I haven't seen energy like this from most of the places that I've been to in the United States when we're talking about passion for sports. Like This is one of the most popular, one of the best rivalry traditions in college football. Oh, yeah. If only we got college game day. If only. Oh. If only. Deion Sanders had to steal from us. But, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be very fun. And it'll be even more fun to talk about probably afterwards. But thank you for joining me. And thank you all for listening to this episode. Uh, make sure to listen to our college football week. What week is it this week? It is... I'm on the wrong minutes right now. What episode did we just do? Week 3. College Football Week 3 preview episode also drops today. So make sure you listen to that. Carlin and I are on that episode. So give that a listen too after you're done with this one. But make sure to listen to that. Make sure to follow us on Instagram or Twitter slash X our TikTok, our Facebook. We are posting on all four of those right now, especially Instagram. I We have two posts already on Instagram. 
that are not just on the story. So legit posts. So make sure to follow those. You can find all of those links and all of our podcast platforms in the link in bio. If you're an Apple Podcast or Overcast, go to the go to the podcast website and click the link in bio there. Link in bio there. I say that so many times now. I keep stumbling on it. <laughs> but other than that, Lance, thank you for joining me. But with Lance Johnson, I'm John Dodaro. Enjoy the backyard brawl on Saturday. Have a great day, everyone, and see you next time on Inside the Dome.